following announcement has been paid for by Hi, welcome to Power Dunk 3.0. For those who may have missed the announcement, uh, we just take this time to wish Jack, who used to be my co-host on Power Dunk, all the best in his future content creation. Having to resist the future endeavours line, which uh, for anyone who's a fan of WWE and John Laurinaitis would be familiar with. Without dwelling too much on that, I just want to jump straight into everything I had planned for this episode and I will briefly go over the formats going forward. In recent fighting game news, we've had the first official trailer of King of Fighters 15, which looks absolutely phenomenal from a King of Fighters fan perspective. I know following that, they, annou they announced, well, they shown off a trailer of Shunel, I think he's pronounced, a kind of character focus trailer showing some of his combos and his moves and a lot of people were saying it doesn't look that much of an improvement over King of Fighters 14 but just looking at the animations especially in the trailer and in the character trailer shows that SNK has put a lot of work into at the moment the animations and I imagine the flair will come to it a lot later for people who were familiar with King of Fighters 14 will remember how bare bones the game looked originally at launch compared to how it looks now with all its different lighting effects and additions and especially um, animations of the later DLC characters like Rock Howard and Oswald they all look phenomenal so I've, I've no doubt in my mind that Wing King of Fighters 15 drops it is going to be a fantastic looking game and it's got it's going to play well. I mean, it's an SNK title and all the King of Fighters from 94 onwards, 95 maybe, have all been right up my street in terms of playstyle. So I'm very much looking forward to King of Fighters 15 and seeing where SNK go in the future. Talking of future SNK, while I'm on that, Samurai Showdown, the latest one, is reportedly coming out on the... Series X and Series S with a couple of tweaks. Owners of it on the original Xbox will get it free as part of the smart delivery system and you'll be given a crisp 120 frames per second and of course Season Pass 1 is going to be free again. For those who aren't familiar, we're now on Season Pass 3 which currently has announced um, Cham Cham who was from the older Samurai Showdowns and he's quite a favourite, almost like a Blanca-style character. Um, her and Genfu kind of fit that role. And there's also Hibike, or Hibari, I can't, I can't read my notes, <laughs> from Last Blade, which is um, not quite the choice I would have gone for as a Last Blade character, but we'll see how it plays out. And that's just two of the five characters announced for Season 3. Looking forward to seeing who else they bring to the forefront. Also this week in fighting game news, the Mortal Kombat movie released its first screens and details. The screens are looking quite good. It seems to fuse the grittiness of Mortal Kombat with its camp nature. 
The synopsis, I only briefly looked at it and I kind of checked out when I realised they'd added an original character called Cole. Mortal Kombat's whole character roster is big enough to fit several movies. So while they're having to create original characters when they could have easily just handpicked any of the Earthrealm characters, for example, is beyond me. But I, I remain optimistic that this could be a good film and one for Mortal Kombat fans. So now the news sections out of the way, I just want to take a couple of minutes to explain what's going on with the podcast now. Going forward, it's just going to be myself and the other guest who unwillingly signs up to come on. Um, There's going to be still the focus on fighting games, but I want to kind of expand it a little bit more to the retro side of things. For those who have been following me on Twitter, on the at PowerDunk, I've been streaming a lot more on our Twitch account, which is twitch.tv slash PowerDunk, doing something called a beat'em hour, where I'll be playing various beat'em ups. That's going to continue on for the foreseeable, as we're getting quite a good response to it. It's enjoyable, it gives us all something to talk about, suggestions, and hopefully lean into the whole stream thing a little bit more going forward. I'm also looking at producing YouTube videos at a later date. I've never edited or recorded a YouTube video, so they are going to come a lot later while I try and get a firm grasp on how to do it and what I want to actually do with it. My main focus is going to be this podcast and I will be launching alongside it a kind of written blog that is coming on otakugamers.uk which is a website I write for who have kindly said they will support the podcast and host it especially in its written and sharing so very thankful for them as I do a lot of reviews for them and they're turning around and making us for the time being the official podcast of the website which is great on that I'm going to discuss a few games I recently reviewed for the website which I believe fit well within this podcast. First off I covered Fatal Fury First Contact which is a part of the Neo Geo Pocket Colour Fatal Fury game. I wasn't too impressed with it if I'm honest. It felt a lot slower, clunkier. The roster was fine because that was from real bout to the newcomers. But the actual gameplay felt a lot stiffer than the other ports, such as Gals Fighters and King of Fighters R2, Samurai Showdown. And the unlockable content and the extra stuff just wasn't there. It was purely arcade or versus. Versus did have Lau, who is only playable in versus mode and only playable in that game. So it is a, a nice bit of Fatal Fury curiosity history, but... As a whole, they have released much stronger ports, like Last Blade for example, you practically unlocked Last Blade 1 and 2 throughout the game through completing it and there was a lot to keep you going back, whereas this game didn't even actually have endings which I thought was a little bit of a disappointment. So only one for the hardcore really. 
I also looked at um, a, a little-known title called Scott Pilgrim, which, as I'm sure most of you know, is based on the successful graphic novel and movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. The game originally released on the PS3 and Xbox 360, and it kind of cemented itself with its legendary status, as it is a very, very, very good beat-em-up. Heavily inspired by another favourite of mine, River City Ransom. But it only lasted four years, as it was only a digital title, and the licence expired, and Ubisoft pulled it off digital stores. And it kind of created this mythical status of it which had people asking all the time for it to come back I know limited run games were one who used to get bombarded with it all the time then for the series 10th anniversary Ubisoft brought it back um, there was a fantastic stream which you can find on YouTube which has um, the series creator Brian Lee O'Malley talking about it, talking about the series and the game and how much it meant to him and there's even a live performance by the band who created the phenomenal soundtrack Anna Managuchi which is really, it's, it's phenomenal to see just how it was put together and they, they, they do like a full stretch, I think it's about half an hour it's a fantastic con live concert the game comes with all the DLC but I'm told it's locked behind Ubisoft Connect it wasn't locked for me, and I don't know if my Nintendo Switch and PS4 already have Ubisoft Connect logged in or whatever, but I managed to get all the DLC, which is Knives Chow, Wallace Wells, the Dodgeball game, and this Boss Rush and uh, a Zombie Survival mode. All that was already unlocked for me, so I don't know if I was already locked in, or just through... A miracle it didn't happen for me. Whether this gets patched out, I believe it will because of the limited run games aspect of it, in which they are producing it on a physical cartridge and disc. The pre-orders are live until the end of February and it's been the most pre-ordered title for limited run games. It's something like 40,000 units. So it's not really limited, but it's not getting a retail release. And it's currently the only way to get hold of this game in a physical form, which people like myself who lost it the first time around because obviously jumped onto the new gen, lost access to the previous game. It's now the perfect way to have that game always on hand. So I know I pre-ordered my copy and obviously so many other more people did. It's, um, as I say, it's a fantastic little beat-em-up. Very inspired by River City Ransom, but it's got kind of the standard level pro progression. There's seven levels. There's shops within the levels, so when you beat enemies, they turn into money, much like River City Ransom. And you can use that money to upgrade your character. It's got an insane difficulty curve. Like, when you first start this game, you barely do any damage. Everything hits you hard. It's all... It conditions you to play in it in a way, but there is certain ways you can make the game easier, such as paying off Scott's... Uh, late rental fees gives you access to the shop items where it's like $4.95 for stuff like extra lives and stuff that really upgrades your stats or you can also find Wallace Wells' secret shop in stage 1 
and by the bionic arm which has always broken the game for me because it gives you 50 plus on your strength stats and that's enough to carry you through the next couple of levels to you adequately leveled up but the, the game is not a pushover by any standard especially beat-em-ups it's still quite a tough one fantastic in co-op and the especially if you have the whole lineup of sex bomb on the co-op you can do kind of the scene from the movie and the game where they fight the twins and they're having the rock off and they've got a giant yeti monster you can use that as an attack which is i thought was brilliant really really recommend scott pilgrim to anyone who likes old arcade gaming um just curious little quirky titles it kind of kickstart the whole pixel indie russia games um re really really good time capsule um the final review i'd like to talk about similar it's a uh, double dragon neon which was published way back when by way forward on the 360 ps3 and steam and is another one people have been clamoring for for a while that has recently just seen a re-release on switch which i had the chance to review fantastic for double dragon fans i can un it is a bit dated now it feels a bit clunky we have seen obviously stuff like river city girls since which have done a little bit more with the genre but i would personally put it on par with stuff like streets of rage 4 where it's a nice little shiny time capsule of that kind of game it's got a brilliant synthwave soundtrack to it and a fantastic sense of humor with its main character skullmageddon who is essentially skeletor from he-man but whether it is on the same level as stuff like scott pilgrim and river city girls no but it is very much a product of its time from that kind of 360 xbox live arcade era where it did the best to kind of fuse newer gamers with the classic old arcade style i used to buy a lot of the old arcade games on the xbox live arcade and it's great to have this game portable and back playable for myself though i did have it on the xbox uh, one which I was playing it on they haven't added anything which is a shame because i know there was content that was supposed to make it and it was heavily advertised such as i think it was online co-op and that unfortunately hasn't quite made it over to this port but it's a good start and hopefully we see more double dragon neon in the future i know wayforward have announced that there is a new river city girls but they haven't got anything to show about it yet that is a title I'm very much looking forward to. So we've reached the final segment of the podcast and this is something I spoke about on my last stream that I wanted to do where I talk about a series I'm currently playing through and one of the streamers, actual streamers, readers, sorry, actual viewers, viewers, and see I'm not used to this, one of the viewers actually correctly guessed that I wanted to work through the River City series so the past couple of nights i've been playing a 3ds title which i honestly forgot was a thing until i actually flipped from the 3ds and it was river city knights of justice uh, it's a spin-off of the river city series slash niketsu and it's it's if the series was done like a final fantasy or dragon quest it's even got slimes it's got dragons ogres um Developed by the 
Avit Nigata, who also worked on Niketsu Koha Kunio-kun Special and a football game and published by Natsume, originally released in 2014 for Japan and we got it in 2017. Uh, you play as a knight called Alexander, who's Kunio, which is a fantastic little nod to River City. And there is a character in it called Rainhold, who's like your rival, and of course, it's Ricky. Um, another play on it, because Ryan, Ryan... It, it was very... It set off a lot of nods towards River City, which I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to be strictly Morcunio. But it kind of acknowledged River City Ransom, which the Kunio Kun games didn't really do as much. Like, um, a lot of the characters had very similar names to what they did in River City. Um, the game was about three, three hours long. It had a nice little world map where you directed your character where to go. There was a party system. Uh, you could pick up people who were mostly useless, to be honest. They had a mage who his sole talent was disappearing which was phenomenal um the story was rather yeah you just turn up you sort a few problems out people make allusions to you not being from that place and yeah you end up saving the princess being sent to a they, they called it the riververse the center of the riververse and fighting the rather underwhelming last boss which was quite funny because the boss before it was a dragon and that fight was quite tough whereas the last boss as most bosses or enemies in this game once you knock the weapon out of the hand you could kind of lock stun them so i i went through it i, I had a good time it was a nice little game you could see it was very budget there was a lot of reused assets uh, the stages especially repeated a lot and it just seemed to have a much smaller scale than it initially seemed. You start off, you're on a world map and you think, right, you can see other continents, you think it's going to be fantastically, like, massive fantasy. And it's not, it all seems to be set on this one island. There's, I want to say about 12 areas you can visit. Hundreds of side quests, but they're all fetch quests, so... Defeat X amount of monsters. The game starts with this really interesting gimmick where you're fighting some ghosts in a graveyard, and the only way you can defeat them is if you have a sword with holy power or you get a ghost sword. And that only really comes into it in that graveyard. There's a, a boss later on you can only beat with his sword, but they're the only two things. The rest of the time it's kind of go here, beat this, find this item, give it to them. I did like the random stuff that happened like the random battles on the field they, it was always a bit quirky there was these two bandits who were based off characters who were frequent in the river city games they'd turn up and try and mug you every time there was a few side quests like a tournament you get accepted to on the road and one where you had to defeat i think it was over a hundred enemies in little sections so there, there was a little bit of variation but it was you could see it was very distinctly budget, um, possibly done to celebrate the Kunio series at the time. Not the first time they've done something like this. They did um, as a 
similar style game on the NES. I've not had a chance to look at it yet properly, but it was on the Kunio Kun Double Dragon collection on the Nintendo Switch, so we'll be looking at that very soon. The next game in the series I do want to talk about is one that was um, PC only, and that was River City Ransom Undercover, or Underground, sorry, not Undercover, it's not Need for Speed. Um, that will be on the next podcast, so if you're into River City, stick around, or if you're interested in learning about the series, be good to talk to you all about it, uh, possibly get to stream it, but I do have a huge backlog of River City slash Cuneo games, and I will probably do a full feature length podcast on the history of the series, just to keep people up to date, but I just wanted to let you dip your toes in somewhat to what I'll be doing regarding series, and we're going to start with River City and Cuneo, and the game I looked at this week was... River City Knights of Justice. If I had to grade it from one to five, I'd give it a solid three. It was enjoyable, just a bit, just a bit bland in places and a bit undercooked. It did end with a cliffhanger, so hopefully there will be a sequel at some point. But I know Arc System Works, who currently own the rights to Cuneo and Double Dragon, don't seem too interested in putting many out, which is a shame as it's one of my favourite series. I'm guessing we'll, we'll see in the future. I'd like to thank you all for joining in and spending a good old 20 minutes with just little old me waffling on. D- trying to make the best of what I can with what I've got at the moment. I, I just want to thank at mega underscore Gibbs on Twitter for the fantastic new artwork for the Twitter account and the podcast. You've done a phenomenal job and I'm very impressed with it and I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported the cast in the past and continues to do and hopefully we can evolve this into a butterfly of big and better things until then stay cool keep safe <laughs>